Infrastructure is crumbling and the problems are only getting worse. The pressure to find solutions is hot. Let's talk about why American cities have no water, no electricity, and no money to fix their infrastructure problems. Welcome to the Infrastructure Hot Seat Podcast, hosted by Chad Smelter. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Infrastructure Hot Seat Podcast. My name is Chad Smelter. I am your host. Today's guest is Donnell Duncan uh, with Arcadis. You're the Associate Vice President, right, uh, Donnell? Yes, sir. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. Uh, excited to talk to you about, it uh, looks like you've written some books, you're, you do speaking events, you're a pastor at your church. Uh, give us a little history of where you started in, um, I guess, infrastructure. What got you so excited to move into that field? So uh, growing up, I wanted to be a lawyer. And uh, when it was time to make that decision in high school, uh, right around uh, the age of around 13 or 14, uh, my parents had a kind of transition with me. Uh, I wanted to do English and literature, yeah. uh, that was history. My dad has a history degree and he was like, look, uh, you can do STEM and you're going to make some money yeah. or you can go down the path of the arts and you're going to be broke, but you might be happy, but you're going to be broke and you're probably going to end up being a teacher just like me. And we have had more than enough teachers in the family. So my advice to you is going to STEM. And that was the candid conversation we had to, to get the wheels turning in my head as to right. and that kind of pushed me in the right direction. I always had a passion for geography. Uh, that was one of my favorite subjects as I got into STEM and, you know, math, physics, because, you know, in the sciences, there's physics, chemistry, biology, the core natural sciences, and physics was the one that really stuck out to me. So combined yeah. physics and geography, I end up into civil engineering. And oh. <laughs> that's how I got into civil engineering. So my actual first degree is in applied physics. Okay. And wow. then my, my next degree is in civil engineering. And then I specialize in structural uh, engineering engineering so you went from physics and got into structural engineering and that that makes yep. total sense and, yeah yeah so and then yeah. the funny thing is i'm a structural engineer right who's been in the water industry my entire career starting from a freshman in college i was a freshman in college and that summer i had no job that first summer oh. and i was just uh in my aunt's basement weaving wasting away during my first semester i was I went to a school called Morehouse College in Atlanta. Okay. Uh, I was like to shout out Morehouse because that's the school that Martin Luther King Jr. went to. And uh, yeah, I had nothing to do at home. So I picked up one of the free papers and there was a tryout for a boy band. And I was like, well, I could stay here all summer and do nothing. I could go try out for this boy band. Right. So I go to the boy band tryouts and I have no car. So I'm riding, a, riding the bus and I get to the bus station yeah. And at the bus station for the tryouts, I meet this guy who's really upset. He's just there upset. He's walking up and down, upset, waiting for the bus, just like me. Yeah. And I'm like, for some strange reason, I was like, man, what's going on? How are you doing? He's like, boy, you know, I work for the civil engineering firm and somebody walked off the job today and we're mapping the sewer system of the city of Atlanta. Oh, wow. And I was like, civil engineering, you see. <laughs> yeah. I love how your hands are going together. <laughs> like, yeah. That is how yeah. that's how I got into the water business, and I've never left. That is uh, a cool story. So, 
you just uh, go back to STEM. So did you go through a whole STEM program and then? So, yes. So I so uh, in high school, math, physics, chem yeah. chemistry, biology, all of that, uh, advanced high school, all the sciences, and then went into physics uh, in a dual degree program between Morehouse College and Georgia Tech. Okay. So I did my civil engineering undergrad at Georgia Tech, my civil engineering master's at Georgia Tech, and then I did my applied physics bachelor's at Morehouse College. And you're going to this, uh, this uh, not an event, but you meet this person who works yep. in engineering in on the, the street, bus station. Like, at the bus in station. The bus station. Yep. <laughs> and, and you guys just hit it off. Yeah, well, I never got it. I never did. I never knew about water and right. like water resources, sewer. I just never thought of that as a career because right. I was, you know, I wanted to be a physicist. Right. And then I wanted to be a structural engineer. So I was thinking I'm going to design like, uh, you know, stadiums with retractable roofs for like yeah. NFL teams and uh, <laughs> high rises downtown with luxury $2 million penthouses. I was like, oh, I'm about to be living it up. <laughs> And then you see me in a wastewater plant now, uh, designing trenches and buried infrastructure. But that's fine. Well, 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 well. Welcome to underground and uh, utilities. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's an interesting place to be. Uh, <laughs> that's for sure. There's uh, what's a, what's amazing is you brought up like uh, you know mapping of a sewer system, GIS, uh, geographical information systems. That's huge in asset management for our field, right? So, it it. What do you think that we'll be able to do in the future with like GIS systems? I, I, I kind of jumping into that a little probably early, but I'm right. just curious since we're kind of there with the mapping part, that, you know, what that envision you see with the, some of that stuff. So I started off uh, grabbing uh, GPS points yeah. at each of the manholes. Oh, you did the then, field work. Okay. Yes, it was the field work I did. Okay. So, and then opening it up and looking to see what direction the pipes were going in, measuring the dimension of the pipes yep. to determine, you know, because the, the city of Atlanta has like hundreds and hundreds of years old infrastructure. So right. some of the information is not actually current. Right. So, you know, that's what I was doing. So I see this uh, in the metaverse. Like yeah. when we're done, you can enter a city in the metaverse and go down into the manhole and, walk around in the pipes the pipes are big enough of course right and you know because in the metaverse you shouldn't be able to do things that you shouldn't be able to do so right. <laughs> you know get into a big pipe and see the condition because it should be real time and all the camera data from all the pipes should already be entered into uh all of our um uh our gps points and uh, our gis yeah and the, the uh the artificial intelligence should be able to create the full experience so yeah. that you can actually uh, be a part of it in the metaverse. So that's, that's the future. Yeah, it is. You're talking uh, kind of like the digital twin world where we're going to go yes. into VR. Yes. Uh, you know, AR. Uh, that's it's, it's it's man. That's going to be an awesome place to be in the future. Um, it it, it's exciting to get into what Esri's doing uh, with their mapping systems and stuff like that, and how you guys are gathering that information. What was some of the experiences you had out out doing the mapping or GISing, uh, doing the surveying with, with the rod? You had to, yep. you know, at, what is it? Was it sub centimeter back then, or was it like so, a couple of feet? Well, we were a little high tech because okay. we had the digital version, so we had the dish at the top of it. Yep. So all I needed to do was just have a laptop, 
and set up the equipment on the center of the manhole yeah. and I can gather the data using GPS. So yeah. I did not need old school surveying equipment. So yeah. I think we were, we were pretty accurate at, at that point in time because, you know, I'm not that old. <laughs> there are times where things weren't accurate. So I was already at the point where we have laptops and we had um, digital okay. ways of capturing data. <laughs> so unfortunately, I don't have any of those stories about back in the day. Let me tell you, we were like <laughs> one, one mile away when we captured it. So you could kind of hope you close by. It was behind the house, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 with approximate locations. You don't know that. Right, right. Well, that was yeah. relatively accurate at a point in time. I think they're probably still using that data now, obviously, yeah. uh, because uh, I think at that point in time, that was the hot thing to right. get all the information mapped so they could update the GIS. Uh, yeah. So, you know, and I'll tell you what was funny. The one thing the company always told me was never take your eyes off the equipment. And I <laughs> did. And the wind blew and knocked it over and smashed one Ooh. of the the um, the antenna receivers. Yeah. And they docked my paycheck to pay for it. So really? I'll never forget that experience. Yep, I paid for that equipment. It came wow. out of my paycheck. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's all good. It was part of growing up. So I had to learn, do not take your eyes off the equipment in the field because <laughs> the wind could blow it over. So that's nowadays, nice. nowadays, it doesn't sound legal at all. But, uh, you know. Yeah, well, you know, I, didn't <laughs> I, was, a, I was an intern oh, Okay. after my freshman year. So the last thing on my mind was they couldn't do it. I was like, oh, well, that's on me. That makes it even worse, though. Find out yeah. that they deducted it and you were an intern. My wow. I paid for the equipment. Well, it's, it's part of doing business. That's why we carry insurance. It doesn't make any sense. I'm the insurance. <laughs> okay. <All> the insurance. <laughs> Got it. It's the insurance. Yeah, making sure it was never going to happen again. It would never happen again. That was one of those object lessons you could yeah. never tell me to ever forget. Yeah. To keep my eye on the equipment. So now you're in, uh, you know, you did the field work, you got that experience doing asset, uh, you know, grabbing data points, asset management, and you're in the structural uh, engineering. Did you just transition into a structural engineering? Did you work with someone to, to learn more about that? So the, during my uh, tenure as a structural student okay. at Georgia Tech, I did get the opportunity to be an intern at a consulting firm. Mm -hmm. uh, who grabbed me when I was in grad school to, okay. uh, to work with them. So I actually started uh, working on a, uh, a brand new water treatment plant in New York, 290 million gallons per day. Oh. Uh, it took me 10 years because I did that intern and then I went there to work full time. And the first 10 years of my career, I worked on the same project. Okay. It was uh, uh, um, over a billion dollars uh, in construction and it, at the time, it was the biggest construction project in New York uh, after the Yankee Stadium. Okay. So, wow. you know, I got a chance to really learn it within uh, the, the job because yeah. in school, we really focused on high rises and we focused on uh, more commercial type infrastructure. Uh, yeah. That's, you know, I went to Georgia Tech and the average Georgia Tech structural engineer is doing something very fancy. Right. So I was just not one of them. So <laughs> it's all good. Like, like, like skills to buried infrastructure and sanitary structures. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people love to get in that position that you had to be a part of the water 
uh, facility you were developing in New York. That's uh, that's huge. I mean, 250 million gallons a day. You know, that's that's a that's a big water system. Yep. Was it water or sewer? I'm, I'm sorry. It was water. So that, was water. Okay. that design, it was we built it under the driving range of a golf course in the Bronx. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. That's yeah. good stuff. So what did you like so much about structural engineering that that you know kind of puts you in this position now to become an author? I, I would assume it's a combination of like your personal life and your business life, right? Work life. Um, you know, what what um what has a i guess being a structural engineer i'm sorry i'm like you know stuttering on my words here but uh how did it help you become who you are today that's probably the word that you know question yeah. so one of the things i learned is skills yeah are transferable yeah they are not stuck to any particular field so any skill that someone has you can leverage that skill wherever you are. So I'm very analytical. So yeah. uh, I'll give an example. So during the GRE for grad school, my analytical score was 720 out of 800. Nice. So analytical, I do analytical. Yeah. And because I'm analytical, I actually bring that same analytical mindset that I bring to structural engineering nice. to the business. So I'm in business development, uh, dealing with contracts, dealing with clients, dealing with money. Uh, yeah having to meet metrics and, and address yeah. uh, goals, et cetera. I'm very analytical in that approach. I'm very analytical to my preaching. So if you yeah. ever come to, to church and you see me preach, I have a PowerPoint with very detailed points. I pull out the scripture and I'm like, it says this here. It says this over there. It says that over there. Just like if I was looking at a contract or just like if I'm looking at a building, I use references to, to buildings in my teachings. So yeah. I talk about being God's building and, um, the foundation being Jesus. And I mean, I use I, I, everything I do. Yeah. It's all blended together. That's and amazing. then when it comes to being um, a, a people person, I bring the same approach to people regardless. So if I'm dealing yeah. with people inside of work, I'm dealing with people at the client, or I'm dealing with people at church or people within the industry, people are people. And I realize that it doesn't matter where you are, or what the people do. And it doesn't matter what level they are. Because you right. think, uh, people are different if they are at this level of the organization versus that level. No, they're the same. In fact, the further along you go in life, everything starts reminding you of high school. Like, you know, this is just like high school. This is some high school stuff going on right now. It feels like high school. It's the same thing we're doing years later that we were doing in high school. You could just kind of, uh, what's called, project into right. adulthood. Right. Some of the same stuff. So, yeah. Wow. That's a, uh, you're, Donnell, that's really unique for an engineer, you know, in your position uh, to be able to do these different things, because most, no offense to engineers, not everyone's a, a, an entrepreneur like spirit like you is what it, you know, what I'm getting from our conversation. And and that's a really unique uh, skill set to to have. Right. It's just being able to present yourself, talk about the problems like you're putting it all together. Like you said, you're very analytical. That's awesome. So has that is that what motivated you to, you know, become the author of your new book, you know, and, and what you're doing with that. And then obviously you're, you're branding yourself and getting yourself out there and, and representing what you do and what your passion is. And is that some of the things that, you know, all started from there? So it started with my parents. So my dad has written like over 40 books. Yeah. And then my mom has written eight books. My brother is an author. My sister's an author. So, uh, the family is a family of writers. Yeah. Um, I'm the kid 
who used to win essay competitions in high school. Wow. So I would be the guy who would enter essay competitions knowing I'm about to get this money. So I would have a, I would have fun being like, oh, let me go get this 500 bucks here because I want to tear up this essay. So, you know, that was that was me in high school. That's so awesome. I always knew yeah. that my first love was being a writer. Uh, yeah. Even about speaking. I love to speak, but I love to write first. Okay. Speak. And as a result, I mean, I remember I, I, <laughs> I did a report uh, forensic investigation of uh, uh, a failed column on a okay. time. And when I was done with the report, the president of the company reached out to me and was like, that report was awesome. Like, how did you write that? Right. Like, who, like, I've never seen a report like that. You know what I'm right. thinking? It was just a report. But in my mind, I don't separate things. Yeah. If I'm going to write something, I'm going to write it. In the Love same it. way, if I'm going to say something, I'm going to say it. Whether I'm saying it as a preacher or I'm saying it on a technical presentation. I've done forensic investigation presentations that folks were like, dude, what was that? I was yeah. like, what? It's, <laughs> it's a building that failed. And I can give you the same story. Like if somebody's life failed and how you can be better as a person, I connect right. the whole thing together. So like I explained the failed column wow. like someone who broke their leg and I said, we put something called, uh, um, uh, uh, we, we, we fixed the column the same way you put a cast around somebody's foot. Yeah. And I just used the analogy and explained how we came up with the idea of the finding the solution. Right. Like, how do you do that? It's like, well, you just, you bring your whole self to life. And that is yeah. one of the things that I have, I've learned over the years. It wasn't something that with me. You know, I was, I, thankfully, I had someone help me to understand, to not live siloed to not right. just take your skills and apply them in one area and not use them in another area. And uh, that person was actually an executive coach that um, Arcadis had me work with, told me, hey, if you were to bring your whole self to life, if you were to bring your whole self to everything you did, yeah, what do you think would be possible? Because right now you're very siloed. Yeah. You only bring piece of yourself here, piece of yourself there. And I thought, you know what? I'm, on. I'm like, you're about to see all of me everywhere. Deal with it. So you like, I decided. You flipped the switch right then. I mean, took a little coaching and put it all together. And then it just opened up so many doors, it sounds like, for you. That's uh, that's amazing. And, you know, and I think coaching is a huge, um, unutilized um, just support that people need. You know, CEOs, uh, engineers, you know, working on high risk things or building things, you know, coaches make a huge difference in the way uh, they look outside of you and give you a different perspective on things. So that's that's amazing. Uh, what is the um, I think it's the Crack Door Foundation you have going yes. on. What, what, what can you explain what that so, is? So what happened when I had just finished grad school, I started working. Yeah, I had this idea uh, for my first book. Okay. And it was called I Curse Death. What if God said we didn't all have to die? And I had this whole thing from the scriptures that talked about uh, life in Jesus Christ and uh, eternal life and all that type of stuff. And yeah. when I was talking with the book, uh, one of the things I learned from writing my first book was the publishing company expects the author to do promotion. Like, they're not just going to do all the work. Man. So I was right. like, oh, so that's when I created the website, uh, uh, law.com, as a, a just to promote the first book that I wrote. 
Right. Uh, and it just kind of took on a life of its own because I started blogging. Yeah. And once I started blogging, and that was before now, of course, that's before social media really took off. Right. That's blogs now. It's like 2023, right? But back <laughs> then, you know what I'm saying? When blogging was a thing, right. I was a blogger. Uh, so Monday to Friday, I would blog and I would write. Um, I, I had a column called A Daily Walk with God. And every morning I would write something and, you know, had a, had a decent following. And, yeah. You know, uh, then I took that and um, took it to MySpace. Remember when MySpace was popping? Oh, yeah. That was, yeah. man, you're talking back in the 90s. Back in the days. I had like Ooh. something thousand MySpace followers and I would be over there like releasing my blogs on MySpace. And I mean, and that, that was when Facebook was now starting to pick up. And yeah. I never really took Facebook seriously. I was like, ah, oh, that's for college students. I'm like, MySpace is where it's at. It's yeah. always going to be MySpace until MySpace died a uh, uh, sad <laughs> and sorrowful death. And yeah. I went down with MySpace. So MySpace uh, and I went down together. I was like, no. So there went my 30,000 friends. But thankfully, uh, I learned a lot of things during those days. Yeah. That now I'm leveraging in many areas of my life. Yeah. I learned a lot from that. So we keep the crack door now. So I have something called um, the crack door conference once a year. Okay. So uh, this year, the crack door conference was in, in early January, three nights. And the, the, um, the theme was from my new book, A New Mind Skin. Okay. Uh, innovation, creativity, and strategic thinking for the marketplace. Okay. So, you know, we kept it going. So we do it every year. It, it oh. never stopped. Yeah. Wow. So um, give us a little insight to your book and, and you know, what drove you to, to write it? My book, A New Mind Skin, came through the pandemic. So okay. in the middle of the, the heat of the pandemic, which I would say would have been like mid-2020, late 2020, heading into 2021, uh, I had this thing I was doing with, um, I would do these early morning meditations uh, with uh, large group people uh, from around the world. And one of the things that I would talk about was the fact that this pandemic is changing things forever. It's mm -hmm. changing the way we think, it's changing the way we work, the way we do social uh, engagements, the way we do church. Our lives will never be the same. And I kept right. seeing that throughout from early in the pandemic. It's like, we have to change our mindsets. We need a new mindset. We need a new mindset. And yes. I, was, I was speaking about a new mindset parallel to using the um, parable of the wineskin. And where Jesus talked about, you have to put new wine in new wineskin because that new wine would break the old wineskin because the old wineskin wasn't expansive because back in the day, they used to use animal skins uh, for wine. And I, and I use the analogy of your mind being the wineskin and new ideas being poured into your mind. And if you have an old mindset, it's going to blow your mind. Wow. So it's time for us to be flexible with our thinking and be open to new ideas, be open to new concepts, be able to think outside the box that we typically think in. And I kept mixing up wineskin and mindset. And I kept saying mindskin. And I would always make the mistake of saying mindskin. Yeah. Uh, some of the folks who were listening to me while I was talking, and they would make comments and they were like, hey, mind skin's a thing, mind skin's a thing. And I was like, mind skin's a thing? You know what? That's not a mistake. We're going to run with this. Yeah. A mind skin. And that's how it started. It was a mistake. There was supposed to be mindset and wine skin, and we merged it into mind skin. I mean, it makes and, sense. Yeah. And from there, uh, all the transition from 
the changes that were taking place through the through the pandemic, uh, I decided, you know what? For the first time in my life, I am going to be candid and really share the secrets of yeah. how, uh, as a professional who brings his entire self to life, how I've been able to navigate through the different stages of uh, the process of my life using yeah. scripture and, and, and practical examples and research uh, and just mixing it all together. So yeah. if you read the book, you're going to see a lot of scripture. You're also going to see a lot of research. You're going to see science. You're going to see all kinds of things because yeah. it's about opening our minds to understand, hey, you need to bring your whole self to life. And as a human being, you're multifaceted. Yeah. You do not need to pretend to be one trapped and try to be a one-trick pony when you're not. Right. Human beings are very complex. And even if we pretend to be simple, there's a lot of complexity built into who we are, our identities, the intersectionality of all the different aspects of who we are. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Think you are this, but you're really this, 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 and that. And you have to embrace it all and say, you know what? I'm all of these things. Yeah. And I'm okay with being all of these things. And I'm okay with being all these things at once. Yeah. And if you're you don't right deal with it. Yeah. All right. That's my mantra. <laughs> it's just deal with it. You know, it's, it is what it is. That's what, uh, that's what, you know, humans are, you know, you talk about the pandemic and what has changed ever since the pandemic and now post pandemic, what's happened. You and I are doing these conversations now remotely. Everything's become more digital streamlined. It, it put infrastructure kind of going back to infrastructure and a whole new way of like managing projects, uh, having better communication, I would hope, uh, using this type of, you know, remote uh, interactions, you know, with with each other to really improve the way we're we're building uh, infrastructure in, in our communities. So we definitely needed something. And I'm going to pivot back to like infrastructure because we were paper based for so long. And now we're finally just getting into this like electronic processes, right? We're not even in digital. We're still like trying to get out of the paper process into electronic. What has been your experience with the, you know, infrastructure changes ever since after COVID? So the infrastructure I'll start with yeah. is the office infrastructure. So I have no office. <laughs> it's funny coming up as a young engineer. That was one of the, that was one of the big accomplishments. Right. The day you got your office and you walked into your office and you swung your chair around, you're like, well, here I am. <laughs> Right. And then we became modernized and there are no offices. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, there is no office. There is no, there's no nothing, you know, it's yeah. a laptop and that's your life. So my office is anywhere I am on a plane, in a hotel, right. at home, wherever I am, I could just plug in and that's part of it. That's number one. Number two, as a result, the way we communicate information is now purely during this using these means so when we do submittals uh like you know my main client they don't want us to print out drawings and send it to them they're like send a pdf when we're submitting uh, proposals right uh upload it and upload it into to some uh, special site that has like very specific criteria that's going to check if you if you got all the documents in i mean things that you typically would never even thought of before you know being able to sign documents seal drawings i'm a professional engineer yeah the seal things without a seal like i went it's funny just the other day i was doing an endorsement for one of my um my structural engineer members of my team who's going to yeah. get his PE, and he needs a bunch of pe's five pe's to 
uh, endorse him. So to do the endorsement, I had to actually get a physical seal to put on it. And I went downstairs in my house. I was like, all right, I know the seals are somewhere. <laughs> Let me go pull out a seal. And the stamp pad for my seal is dry. Uh, I so long because I dropped it in and I stamped it and it was so light you couldn't see it. I was like, man, I haven't used this thing in so long. Why? Because it's electronic. Yeah. I just put my seal on a joint. I don't need to be right, right. You no, know, 100 pages. You know, by the time you know you spend a whole day, it's like sealing day. All the PEs have to come here and spend a whole day sealing drawings and signing. Like we don't yeah. have to do that anymore. So things have changed. Things have changed in the way exactly. we um, we store information, you know. You look behind me, you see this library. Now, when we say library, we mean something online. Right. We were like, hey, did you upload that thing? Did you put that thing in the library? Come on, we don't mean this. You know, so we still have a throwback library here at Arcadis, but this is yeah. this, this is to, to um to remind all the, the new engineers this is what life used to be. Yeah. Three, three ring binders just storing data and sitting there on the shelf. Yeah, the story of our life back in the day. I yep. Yep. I remember you know meeting with public works directors and just be stacked on the wall, and I'm like uh, you got a USB drive for that? They're like, yeah, well, uh, what's that? <laughs> you know, I remember yep. having those conversations like, what yep. the heck is a USB drive, right? Yep. And now we're moved into this whole world of yep. everything digital, right? It's like yep. everything's streamlining uh, to this digital world that we're moving into. Um, so where do you see the, the you know, besides the metaverse and, and, you know, where the future of GIS is kind of going, where do you see infrastructure improving because it's still traditional. Look, you, you look at bigger firms, there's a lot of, well, there's big firms and then about 87% uh, in the United States of these engineering firms are run by 20 people, 30 people, small firms throughout the United States. Right. How do you think we can get them to start changing from traditional to digital, you know, moving to that digital world that we're, we're talking about? Well, I think the software companies have gotten ahead of it with their subscription models. Yeah. Uh, uh, before you have to, everybody have to buy the same thing and you know get the CD shipped to you or whatever. Now with the subscription models, you probably uh, based on the size of your firm and how much you need. Yeah. Uh, there's a tiered cost that would allow you to uh, spend enough money to use the same software the big guys use or the big ladies use just for your three or four seats yeah. that you will need on that particular software. So as a result, uh, we are now. Uh, democratizing access to technology, yeah. to software, to programs that probably would have exclusively been accessible to those who had the money to pay for it. And right. obviously, uh, that's just one dimension. Of course, technology does not make you modern. It's, it's, right. the, it's your thinking that makes you modern, which means right. training and development is also being democratized. You can go mm -hmm. to the conferences. Everybody goes to the same conference. And you can sit down and learn things. You can take webinars. You can understand how to approach what you do in a right. more modern fashion. Yeah. And you get to leverage the, the, the modern thinking. Because part of our improvement as, as an industry and as uh, infrastructure professionals is upgrading our thinking. So I'm a civil engineer. Yeah. And what it is with civil engineering is we are typically way behind other engineers when it comes to modernizing things because we are very conservative. Right. Why? Because our priority is typically something that involves public safety. So we don't take chances. So if 
by the time, like for example, for example, when we we go to a particular city or state, the code that's being adopted there is like five years old. It's like six yeah. years old, and they just feel comfortable to adopt that code from six years ago. Why? Because it's civil engineers making these decisions. That's how we are. We're just like, whoa, we need like twenty people to do this first, and then we may think about potentially putting together a task force to discuss it. You are 100% on the money, 100%, man. That, that is spot on. I've never even thought of it that way, but hearing you say it makes total sense. You know, we, we what's interesting is, is, is the way we look at infrastructure projects and trying to get that conservative side out of the engineers and, and to be more like, here's the information. It's here we don't have to keep validating it right it's like right. we don't have to get deeper into and overcomplicate it it's it's there it, it's telling you what needs to happen uh, i think it would streamline everything so much faster it would improve the way we build infrastructure faster right it would cut costs because you're not charging hourly rates as much as you would normally have to charge right and, and that's where software comes in these technologies that we're talking about and we could really improve the way we just streamline these processes to build infrastructure faster versus months or years that it takes us to build specs, to make sure everybody's on board. Do we got the right materials? Do we have the right contract? Do we write subcontractors? You know, all that stuff takes forever, but right now we have all this technology sitting there that's telling us, hey, here's these companies and here's uh, these projects and, 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 you know, we can streamline it much faster. I certainly hope that uh, we can stream, you know, speed that, process up with the civil engineers and having you as an advocate will obviously help us for sure <laughs> so. change change is hard it is and one of the things that i've done is i've made it my business to educate myself in change management yeah uh, because i understand change is hard and coming out of the pandemic i understand that change is now a priority and i am traditional that's why i went into civil engineering yeah, <laughs> I, I understand the mastery of coloring between the lines. Right. That is that is what makes me a good engineer. I can color between the lines. I can play by the rules. You yeah. give me rules, I'll play by them. You give me a box, I'll stay inside of it. That makes me an amazing engineer. Like, he's really good. He can stay inside of a box. Now, that <laughs> is the kind of engineer I want. So I could be that guy. So yeah. I understand how hard it is when right. somebody removes one of the walls of the box and says, come out. I'm like, oh, there? And they're like, yeah, yeah. come out the box. What, 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 what's going to happen? Nothing. Come out the box. <laughs> right. But, but, but the guy who came out the box the last time, he didn't. He never came back. <laughs> There's a reason why he didn't come back. Right. Come out uh, the box. You see, yeah. it's hard. And I, I get it. So as a yeah. result, for each, each of us, every lady, every man, every person that has chosen to enter into this field, we each have to have our day of reckoning when mm -hmm. we decide take a risk, even if it's calculated. Yeah. And maybe we may take a step forward. Somebody must have taken a risk. And that's why I like one of the things I love when I go to structural engineering conferences is I love to see certain um, certain projects from some of the top structural engineering companies. So there's this company called Thornton Tomasetti. They do some things in structural engineering. You just cringe like, oh, no, we, we can't, we can't. And their projects are amazing. And yeah. they're able to do things that you're like, 
no, no, that's against the rules. They're like, what rules? Just make sure it stands up. Just make right. sure you understand the free body diagram and the way the forces flow. As long as you support the forces, let's take some chances. Yeah. You know? And it's just amazing. So it challenges us. Yeah. And that's my job now as one who has been challenged to now challenge somebody else. Someone who knows how hard it is to paint outside the lines and how, how weird it feels when, ooh, I just painted outside the lines. Ooh, I shouldn't do that. And feel like, ooh, I don't know. Is somebody going to somebody gonna get me? Because I just yeah. painted outside the lines. To now tell someone else, you know it's okay. It's okay it. for you as a civil engineer to actually tap into your creative side. And that's why my book is called Innovation, Creativity, and Strategic Thinking for the Marketplace. Why? Because we have to come outside of the way we always see things. We've always done it this way. It's the safest way. Yes, I agree. But can we not be willing to think outside of the way we're accustomed thinking and be open to what someone else says? To, to at least try it. Pilot it. Yeah. Risk a little bit. Yeah. I mean, look, you just pointed it out. If you go outside the box, so to speak, it opens up a whole new world of creativity that you're talking about. The infrastructure that you're building is going to look amazing. It's going to have so many different characteristics of it, uh, the architecture and things like that. But it, it's just going to be a, a place where you now have taken your traditional firm or whatever, your traditional methods, and now you've just opened up Pandora's box, so to speak, of, of unlimited potential for structural engineering and just engineering in general, right, for everyone. So, man. Thank you so much, Danelle. We're running out of time, but I, you got my mind thinking. So it was great to talk to you and hear the perspectives that you you just put out there. And um, how can people get a hold of you? And where can they find your book and 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 those things? Yeah. So I am everywhere, but uh, <laughs> Google me and you'll yeah. find me. But seriously, uh, I'm I'm really I'm everywhere. You can find me on LinkedIn. It's right. private, so you have to actually add me <laughs> if you want to see anything. Uh, and I'm intentional about that. Yeah, uh, you can yeah. find me on YouTube. Uh, look up my name. Uh, I'm all over the place. Uh, just once you find my name, Donald Duncan, uh, you're going to be to find me. My uh, my book is called A New Mind Skin. And if you go on Amazon.com and you search A New Mind Skin, uh, there is one, A New Mind Skin. It'll be my book. So yeah. definitely go there and take a read. Let me know what you think. I will certainly do that, Donnell. I appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast and look forward to the next time. Thank you so much. Thanks, Chad. Thank you. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Infrastructure Hot Seat Podcast. We hope that this show brought you some insight on relevant topics within the infrastructure world. Please join us every two weeks on Tuesday for the next episode. If you're interested in being a guest on this podcast, please set up a 15-minute interview with your host at calendly.com slash chadsmeltzer.